You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And the big issue again this week for everybody in the cattle industry remains uh, basically the volatility uh, in the cattle markets and keeping the supply chain moving. Um, So what we thought we would do this week is do a deep dive into the markets issue um, with uh, NCBA's markets expert, Daryl Blakey. He is our Associate Director of Legislative Affairs and Market Regulatory Policy. And in this podcast, he has has a detailed conversation with Dr. Stephen Kuntz, who is with Colorado State University's Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics and really regarded one of, as one of the nation's top experts in cattle markets. So uh, with that introduction, here's a good conversation between Daryl and Dr. Kuntz. This is Daryl Blakey with NCBA um, with Dr. Kuntz. Just want to thank you again for taking the time to, to speak to our membership and sort of dive into some of these, I think, pertinent issues, as you're aware with um, the economy and where everything is right now with COVID-19. There's been a lot of market volatility from both the future side of the cattle markets, and then also when we look at the cash market and the fundamentals um, at play, we continue to see um, a lot of volatility across the country. And definitely as we look at the regional dynamics, we continue to see those concerns from our membership, but wanted to sort of dive into some of the things that uh, you were seeing in the markets and and how you have viewed some of these uncertain times. So I think uh, number one, thanks for the opportunity. I very much appreciate that, and and uh, and in no way um, um, hope to make light of anything going on here. So this is all all new ground and very serious business. But uh, when you get back to cattle markets in particular and take a look at what's going on, um, wh- I think what you see really is the market pricing one main thing. It's really concerned about um, a packing plant or two or more being shut down and uh, limited beef supplies because of that. And then you have, you know, we went into the first quarter of uh, 2020 with with not only big cattle supplies, but very big protein supplies. We had lots of everything. There was lots of pork, uh, poultry, dairy products, and a lot of cattle on feed. So when you get in a situation where it looks like you might have supply chain disruptions, you, you, you have some very aggressive selling and some very aggressive uh, risk uh, coverage going on. So I think that Daryl, that's the main thing going on is, um, you're seeing, um, uh, products that are consumed at home that, uh, retailers would buy and stock mm-hmm. in the meat case. Number one, that meat case got emptied out. So they're, they're buying those products to attempt to catch up a little bit. And then on the cattle feeding side, not only cattle feeding, you've got, uh, again, hogs and, and poultry, uh, some pretty aggressive buying on on the part of, or excuse me, selling on the part of folks that are uh, making sure they got product that that moves. You know, this is a an, an interesting business because it's uh, really focused on fresh product. We don't uh, process and store things and then uh, put them in the freezer necessarily. I know they're in the freezer at my house, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a fresh product chain that. Uh, is moving and you have a lot of potential disruptions in that supply chain and basically what you're seeing is the market doing what it should do which is 
um, price at a real strong premium things that it wants, and then uh, folks that are uh, looking to get out of risk or, or being pretty aggressive at selling. So, so that's yeah. what I see primarily from the cattle market side. Yeah, and I know uh, one of the things that I've been focusing on, I think everyone in the country outside of cattle markets, is just the overall economy and the swings that we've seen in the stock markets. Um, it goes up and down depending on what week or day you're looking at. And I know one of the things that we've seen is the continued jump in the unemployment numbers and those impacts of the market. And I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier on was as the continued uncertainty goes throughout our entire supply chain. I know in the cattle side, we've had a packing plant and or two in Pennsylvania at this point from some of the articles that I've read that have closed down or have showed have slowed down either live cattle uh, slaughtering uh, capabilities at this point due to COVID-19. Have you seen any of those uh, impacts come into your analysis of auctions closing, and then as, as you mentioned, for sure, folks are pricing in the, the idea of a packer or maybe more packing facilities closing their doors due to, due to COVID-19 as well. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the more important things, Daryl, is to, especially for, for um, ag folks in general, is let's not get focused on the, well, let's not have tunnel vision and focus just on the market, the markets that we're most concerned about. And, you know, of course, uh, cattlemen, um, you know, the cattle markets are very important to them. It's, it's their li- livelihood. But what's going on in cattle markets is by no means unique. Um, you know, where, where I'm from, we have a pretty substantial uh, oil production industry, and, and it's taking uh, massive hits right now in terms of employment and economic opportunities for for folks that have counted on those jobs for a while. So, you know, it's not just that a cattle market side, we're seeing lots and lots of assets that are uh, being uh, pretty aggressively sold. And it's almost across the board. Um, You know, you have to look pretty hard to find something that actually has some strength. And in actuality, the one place that's showing a little bit of strength is, for example, the wheat markets. We've we've got some countries that have said, hey, we're probably not going to participate in in those international wheat markets anymore. We're going to keep this food here for us just in case. And the wheat markets have responded. But that's really a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing lots of aggressive selling really across the board. So what's going on in cattle markets is, is not unique. And it spills over into uh, almost all of our commodity markets. And then certainly into the asset markets, you're seeing some pretty aggressive sell-offs in stocks. And that's uh, the driving thing going on there is people looking to mitigate their risk exposure and hold cash. Sure, sure. And I know a lot of the main focus points, uh, I think, from our members and in the association is to try to make sure that we are hearing the concerns of our members, talking directly to them, talking and working with uh, the folks in Congress and uh, the administration um, we were sort of, as, as NCBA, fundamental in getting those dollars in the care package out to USDA with an additional authority. And then we are currently working through those technical, uh, I think, rollouts of those dollars to make sure that we get out uh, to our industry in this time of need. And then I think one of the things that I'd like to hear from you is, as you see this continuing to hopefully stop and, and hopefully we get some, some vaccines soon. And I think that's a bit of the un- uncertain parts that continue to f- uh, impact us all. 
where do, where do you see the industry uh, going? I think after after this conversation with, of COVID nineteen and then, and I mean right now fundamentals are and, and technical analysis are really out of the out of the equation because as you know we typically have really high prices for our our products at this time as we get prepared for peak grilling season and and the fact of the matter is that we just don't know about the social distancing practices that may go further and that may impact the grilling demand where do you see i think if 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 all is well and, and after this month we're able to go back to business as usual where where do you see the industry going do you think we're going to be able to rebound what are some of the things you think will occur you know, I, I think all all bets are off in in that area. Um, any any number of scenarios could pretty easily play out. We, you know, if we have really best case scenario, develop uh, some ways of uh, um, uh, spreading the, uh, availability of antibodies to to the to our population. If we have a vaccine, um, if folks can go back to work reasonably quickly into the summer then the rebound would be would be quick but if that vaccine is a long time coming and we have a second round of um, um of uh you know the the disease escalation sometime later in the summer you know let's say we mitigate it a little bit but then it picks back up again later in the summer we'll have to go back to some pretty aggressive social distancing you know that's all the epidemiology and i'm on, you know, on t- dangerous ground talking that but mm-hmm. but i'm going to use those as backgrounds to then talk about what how the economics play out you know so it, it could be anything between a quick recovery to uh to a rather laborious one and, and we just don't know yet we've got to see how the epidemiology of this uh, disease plays out mm-hmm. and then uh you know how extensive is the is the health impact what kinds of um what kinds of uh, numbers of deaths do we have how many people are really impacted or are they concentrated in particular regions or in, in particular industries things like that so sure. so you know it, it, it's really the potential is really across the board i do think you know how you started the your point there with the with the uh, some government funding and some liquidity, those types of things really help um, markets recover, and they help um, you know they help uh, normalize the economy when the the individuals that are participating in that economy can do the least. So mm-hmm. if you if you have some government intervention, some spending of funds, some availability of funds. Um, yeah, the short term doesn't look so good because of uh, debts and things like that. But that liquidity and that money in the economy, um, you know, really the federal government is one of the few places that that stimulus can come from and almost always plays out to the positive um, three, four, seven years down the road. Those things uh, help shorten negative impacts and, mm-hmm. and get us back on our feet. Sure. So. I think I think we can move into sort of the other conversations. And I know for folks that are on social media and other things, uh, I think negotiated cash market activity has been a fundamental issue uh, of question, I think, within NCBA membership. And I think with cattle producers across the country, as we've seen some of those, I think, broader downward trends and cash activity. Um, and an uptick and formula pricing and other things. Um, I know NCBA has uh, many policies 
that are both supportive of the livestock mandatory reporting uh, reauthorization that is hopefully going to go through Congress this year to get it passed before its ex expiration date in September. I know we had a working group meeting with our uh, membership in Denver before sort of the world shut down in a, in a sense of words. I know you were there and we sort of dove into some details talking about our NCBA policy from uh, trying to dig a bit into the formula bucket and maybe see what's in there and how we can get some of those pricing uh, sort of data points out of there for, for our membership and for our industry to assist in price discovery. And then had some, I think, broader conversations and about sort of negotiated cash markets, the difference in uh, regionalities across America, and the fact that we need to be a bit more, I think, sensitive in how we approach these issues uh, to ensure that we don't impact, I think, business practices uh, in a negative way, right? I think we all can agree that we need to have more cash market activity, and that helps the price discovery uh, conversation go in a good direction. But I think we need to be, uh, and our members have told us, we need to be very sensitive in how we approach this issue to make sure we do uh, no harm as we look to figure out the the right way. And as we move into these marketing issues, I think this may be a longer podcast and most are listening to. We typically keep it to five, but we need to get to some of these details. Folks need to have it. Um, and as we move into these issues related to price discovery, I mean, do you see these as a separate bucket item? Because I, I think in my conversations with our members, we think we've got COVID-19 issues that are impacting off market fundamentals. And then we also have our already ongoing conversations from policy that NCBA has led uh, the conversation with Congress and USDA on uh, price discovery and negotiated market. So in your opinion, do these things coalesce? Is there some, some correlation there? Or is it a different bucket and we need to focus on one or the other at, at a point in time and get things squared away? Well, you know, I, I do think there are, there are two very different buckets, but I think we can we can deal with both uh, potentially at the same time. We need to be cognizant that, you know, I think all of the issues we have with respect to improving price discovery, uh, none of them are going to correct the the supply chain disruptions and the underlying things that are going on in the cattle markets right this second, in the cattle and beef markets right this second. Um, you know, what's playing out we, we have to expect with this health event that the underlying fundamentals in cattle and beef markets um, are not going to uh, play out as anticipated. They're, they're just not going to work. We've got, a, we've got a different situation here now. Uh, you know, number one, you have huge amounts of uncertainty in the economy. Number two, you don't have the trade that you've become used to that provides some support for, for both beef and cattle prices. So focusing on price discovery is not going to fix what's going on. Uh, dealing with COVID-19 and doing the right things there is going to deal with, with that. Mm -hmm. Now, said that, with that said, um, price discovery remains an issue. And, and let's make sure that we focus on doing the right things there. I, you know, so I do think there are separate buckets, but it, it remains an issue. And it's important for NCBA, I believe, to do what it's doing, which is make use of objective research and then say, okay, uh, what can we do to make this potential issue better? Mm -hmm. um, we've had a, a, a cattle and beef industry that has gone the direction of a lot of other livestock industries, and not only livestock, but uh, food products in general is we, we 
find alternative ways of coordinating those systems. And, and the number one thing that seems to look pretty well for the cattle industry is that, uh, that formula model. You know, a lot of those very big operations, um, they wanna, they need to move cattle every week. Uh, the big packers need to buy cattle every week and they wanna trade that at what is a, essentially a cash market price. They want mm -hmm. a formula based on some discovered cash market price. Now, that turns out to save the formulas a fair bit of money, which I can guarantee you is being in part passed back to the cow-calf producer. So if, if those formula cattle work well and are paid better, uh, they pay more for the calves when they go back and try to replicate that, uh, that pen and, mm -hmm. and that uh, feeding cycle. So, you know, so the formulas make a lot of sense and the forward contracts make a lot of sense. But in that process, we have lost uh, some depth and robustness in price discovery and the industry is going to have to figure out. It's going to have to come together and say, OK, if you want a cattle price, if these business models need a cattle price, we've got to trade some cattle to get it. And that's it's real easy to say and hard to do because the business models have gotten set up to, to go an alternative direction. Mm -hmm. What the industry is going to need to do is back up and say, OK, it might not be in my business's best interest, but it's in the industry's best interest for me to do something different. And and it looks to me like uh, there's some there's some progress being made on that front. Now, we need to not. We need to not forget about it for a while and just focus on COVID-19. This is something that's important. Let's let's uh, make some progress here uh, while everybody's interested in in uh, in doing the right thing for cattle markets. Sure, and I think you got into my next sort of question and point because as we get into I think the conversation around cash market activity, there's a lot of uncertainty or unawareness of why we've seen these trends. I think. Folks tend to paint a picture of these big, bad scenarios of people trying to impact our markets in a negative way. When I think folks have marketed cattle a certain way to try and secure wins and secure profits. But I think we have to be good stewards of the industry and we have to make sure that cattle are being priced fairly and we have a robust negotiated market. And I think one of the conversations that we had in our meeting in Denver was about the regional differences and the complexes that are at play. And can you give us a bit of the details of some of the, I think, various region perspectives? Because, sure, we've heard thresholds from 80% to 50% to 30% just flat across America. Um, but what are some of your, I think, analytics that go into play when we look at different regions and, and some of those finer details that could actually increase or add to price discovery um, across across our industry? Well, there, there's some really interesting regional differences. You know, if you look at the commercial cattle feeding industry, it's certainly industrialized in the Southern Plains. You have some very big players down there and they've gone the direction of using formulas and to lesser extent forward contracts for, uh, for cost mitigation. They've been able to really shave some supply chain costs and they've also been able to focus on um, you know, capturing premiums, improving quality, uh, feeding the cattle uh, so that the cattle perform well, and then getting a, a meat product that has certainly, you know, there, there's clearly some evidence that uh, the increased use of formula cattle and alternative marketing arrangements has improved beef demand. We've just done the right things with 
with uh, beef products. So, so the the economics driving going to formulas makes sense. The economics driving going to forward contracts, the risk management, the mitigation, the risk mitigation, that simply makes a lot of sense. But if you continue that um, to its logical conclusion, you wind up uh, losing the robustness of that uh, that negotiated cash market, and you may need you may really rely on those prices. For example, the formulas need those prices, and the forward contracts need that information for basis and, and things like that. So the the industry needs to 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 make take an active stance and say, okay, we've gone potentially a little bit too far. It's time to figure out how to get a little bit more into the negotiated cash bucket. That that in in that region that that is really front and center is is the uh, Texas region, the Texas, Oklahoma. What's reported is Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not many cattle fed in New Mexico anymore. There's a lot of a uh, lot of cow calf operations and things like that out there, but a little not so much cattle feeding. So again, it's primarily that that high plains texas area that needs to see some additional uh cash trade and you know i do know there's groups working to try to figure out okay what's the number we need and let's let's get people away from their standard business model and 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 doing more work there mm-hmm. now to a lesser extent there have been issues in for example kansas or nebraska or iowa southern minnesota uh, Colorado for sure has an issue, uh, but it's a little bit of a different one. Uh-huh. Um, we have a confidentiality problem in getting cash data from Colorado. Yep. We primarily have two packers that buy here, and and if you don't have uh, three packers buying on a regular basis, then those prices don't get reported. So mm-hmm. Colorado is a little bit of a different animal, but uh, the other regions are seeing really the same thing, but it's less front and center that it is in Texas. So, so I think the, the conversation and the activity that's going on in, uh, with TCFA, with KLA, with various associations that are in the Southern Plains, um, that, that needs to happen and that needs to be uh, an example for the other regions because that question doesn't disappear when you, when you for example, go to Iowa. There's plenty of impetus to, to um to follow the same incentives in the upper Midwest. Sure. It's just that Texas is the one that looks like uh, we need to do something about it. And mm-hmm. It needs to be real soon. Yeah, and I, and I know in our meeting, we had some frank conversations about supporting the USDA 2019 study on the cattle marketing reporting regions and in, increasing some of those data points by adding in uh, Illinois and, and adding in South Dakota to the Iowa Minnesota report, and then also adding in the Wyoming uh, region to Colorado to sort of help with that confidentiality issue that you mentioned. Um, as again, I mentioned, NCBA has really been a part of these conversations, working with USDA on the ground, working with folks like yourself. And as we wrap this up, I think one of the final thoughts I'd like to get from you is sort of what's your what's your opinion? I think we've got a lot of different thoughts out there on. Uh, I think government approaches, I think from NCBA standpoint, we think we like to work with the um, administration, work with Congress on these issues. But as you know, sometimes other thoughts are out there. People want to have mandates. People want to have things that could just be uh, broad strokes across our industry. What are some of your thoughts on that? I know from our perspective at NCBA, we'd like to have a a for a very sort of a varied approach that works with the industry, works with our business practices to make sure it doesn't harm 
and already uh, impacted rural economy before COVID-19 and definitely after. We want to make sure we don't impact it even even worse by affecting business activity. What, what's some of your thoughts on on some of the some of these conversations about a one size fits all approach? Yeah, you know, I've heard that uh, time and time again, and I understand the frustration that that some folks have. That's you know not to make light of that at all. Um, but there, we really need to be careful and and do things that are um, science based, and we can justify with with objective data, and and with with respect to, for example, the price discovery issue, there's not a there's not a, a real simple answer. We just need to do this, and then the problems all go away. It's it's not that simple. The the incentives to go to formulas and forward contracts are are certainly there. They result in better calf prices is the bottom line. Now, potentially we've gone too far where we don't have enough cash trade. Well, let's figure out how to get that back. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what that's worth. And if it's worth a lot, let's figure out how a, a way to get it. And if it's not worthwhile, if the industry actually transitions into pricing a different way, let's have the availability to do that. If you legislate things, you you really limit your flexibility for for change and mm-hmm. and for that entrepreneurial spirit spirit to be able to do things to improve quality, manage costs, and 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 make a good business uh, make a good business work. Sure. So you know I'm I'm really worried that uh, um, you know legislative solutions. There's in my mind there's not a simple way to address this problem. There's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be work that's not going to go away for a while. We just need to do these things, and we need to ask our our association representatives to be accountable and say, "Hey, what have you mm-hmm. done about this? Show us some progress." Sure. And what are you working on? Where Where do you think you can really make some hay? Yeah, and I know we we completely agree with you, Doctor Coons. And I know we've had conversations with our affiliates in the southern regions and across the country on these issues because cash market activity and price discovery are very sensitive topics. And our members want to make sure that we are leading uh, the conversation and having these tough conversations across the country because these issues are very dynamic. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, they're not as simple as some may think and, and problem solved as, as a one sort of silver bullet to the situation. Um, and with that in mind, I think we want to make sure we continue to work with folks like yourself, continue to work with with industry leaders and, and cattle men and women across this country to make sure that they can direct us and ensure that uh, we are leading the conversation and leading the industry to find solutions that work for our members uh, and ensure that we're doing everything to to address their concerns. And with that, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Coons. And if you've got anything you'd like to finish off uh, before we fit, before we wrap yeah, it up, I'd, feel free to go yeah, ahead. I'd like to, I'd like to encourage folks that are concerned about this issue to get engaged with their associations, you know, start with your, your county and your state associations and get involved up at the national level. You know, if, if, if this is important to you, then, then contribute your volunteer time, you know, uh, work for your industry, do some things like that. Let's not let uh, other people solve, solve our problems. Let's stay engaged. Let's be involved. Let's uh, ask for some, from results and uh, expect some accountability and then participate in that process. All right. And with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Coons and, I know this is a long podcast, and hopefully you guys are still there and, and able to enjoy what we we're, were talking about. Have a good one. Thank you, Daryl. Appreciate your time. No problem. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef.
Keep the beef moving. Stay safe, stay healthy. Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef for the latest updates. Thanks for listening.